Hey, this is Ryan from the Moody's Dead World, and we're back again with another podcast episode. Um, we didn't actually get to Christmas Vacation this time because I messed up. I thought Christmas Vacation was up on Netflix. Turns out I was living in last year. Uh, Netflix, not, Netflix does change its uh, lineup. Well, they you change know, their red, lineup, but they, they do it in such an asinine way. It's like, yeah, it's Christmas time. Let's fucking take down Christmas Vacation. That makes sense. <laughs> Um, same thing with Die Hard. I was looking for Die Hard the other day. That's not up there. You know, you, you think maybe, uh, they, maybe they throw up some gremlins. Rocky mm-hmm. IV is still on there, so you still got the great Christmas fight. Alright, well, Rocky IV is on there, but gremlins is not. That pisses me off. Oh, you haven't seen R- Rocky IV, so. Well, no. You can't complain. That's, because you were talking about how the film we'll be talking about today has a great montage. Rocky IV is nothing but montage. It's 90 minutes long. 80 minutes of montage, just 10 minutes of actual things happening. Huh, well, that's something to look forward to, I guess. It's great. There's no easy way But I gotta watch the rest out. of them in the series no, before you, I can watch Rocky IV. No, you know I work that way. I, I can't do that. I can't do it. I can't I can't watch Rocky IV without watching the rest of them. Well, it's sad that you haven't seen Rocky Well, no. But that's besides the point. That is besides the point. Um, since it's so close to Christmas... Uh, it seemed like a, a shame to not cover another Christmas movie uh, right before the holiday. So um, today we're taking on another classic horror film that Barton has not seen. And this is a classic. This is it's a cult classic. I was gonna say because this is the standard of classic horror film, and this is why horror. It's a slasher cult classic. It's it, it's, it, uh, sh- it should it's, be. It's in the same same um, same boat as like. Like Mad Men, which you haven't heard of, which is not a really good movie, but it is a cult classic in the slasher genre. Vinegar Syndrome released that on Blu-ray not too long ago. Um, it's in that same style, and you know, I you you would be, I think you would be wrong to not call this movie that we're talking about a cult classic in some ways. We talked about uh, previously. You said the, the montage in this film it is a classic example of why this is something of a cult classic for many people. But um, if you uh, if you haven't figured out what we're talking about yet, I'll, I'll give you a hint. Um, there's another person in this film named Billy. Um, there's an orphanage. There's the generic Utah mental hospital. <laughs> another another person just named Grandpa, like Control Two. That's right. We've got uh, Linnea Quigley and her boobs. That's a tough one though because you don't know what movie I'm talking about there. <laughs> Linnea Quigley boobs. They're all they're all of the movies. So. You know, Return of the Living Dead we could be talking about. It's not a Christmas movie. I think people are getting the gist of this here. I don't think we need to s- siphon out clues like, uh, you know, like uh, Alex Trebek on Jeopardy. <laughs> We're obviously talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night! The first one! <laughs> and um, Martin had not seen that film, just like he hadn't seen Black Christmas. He was really missing out on all of the horror Christmas classics. Yeah, and I think the bar is pretty low. <laughs> Ooh. Well, all right. Before we really get into Black. into this, would you say Black Christmas or well, Silent Night Deadly Night is better? Black Christmas. Black Christmas. By far. By far. Not even close. Okay. But well, I think before we get into the whole that, what are we drinking today? 
Well, we're drinking some winter Christmas classics here, too. Mm-hmm. We got some cl- Christmas classics. Um, some new and some old, actually. You can't start off the show without That's no. right. We have to go and start... <laughs> Bruce. <laughs> um, so today we stopped because I had the day off. Um, we stopped and uh, got some some beer from the the local store. Uh, did some Christmas shopping. Got my brakes fixed, and I uh, definitely needed a beer after that because it was about two hundred dollars later. Um, so we decided to uh, look around the local beer store, and they really didn't have a lot of, uh, winter selections to choose from there. Nah, I'm was, not, I was a little disappointed. Out. I was thinking about just going back to try and true Jenny Cream. But. Well, you know, I was disappointed that they didn't have something like, the, like I was talking about, the Rogue Yellow Snow. Um, they, normally they have those in, like, a 24-ounce bottle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know, because I've seen, yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen Rogues. And, and they've, they've, they've had them there before. They've had them out, before. Out, of, out of season. Yeah, but, uh, this time they didn't have it. They didn't have the Yellow Snow. They didn't have the Charles Mad Elf. Um, they did have the Santa, the, the rogue Santa, but that was in a six pack and it's pretty expensive. So we went with the, the tried and true, excuse me, burping up a few beers here. Um, we went with the tried and true, uh, Sam Adams winter pack, which they've gone back to the six, six different. Thank God. Maybe they've heard our podcast. (laughs) They've heard that or they've heard a bunch of people bitch. Like, I feel like I'm getting screwed with only four beers. One of them being a Boston Lager and the other one being a Rebel Rider. Is there a Boston Lager in this pack, yes. by the way? Yeah, there is. There always is, so. It's either going to be that or a Rebel, fucking Rebel IPA. Yeah. Which I feel like they might assume that that's, that's our new bar. replace it? Replace the Boston, Boston with the Rebel IPA? Yeah, this could be. It could be. Well, that would be a sad day, because Boston Lager is one of the fine and true American beers. Yeah. That's true. One of the few great things out of Boston. It is. <laughs> Um, but so their, their winter pack is actually, um, one of my favorites. I do really enjoy the Sam Adams winter pack. I used, uh, it used to be like my second favorite pack when they did the sixes all year round. It'd always be fall for my favorite. Oh yeah. The different tanks. But, but when they went to the four, four, I went, the winter packs never amazed me because it'd be old Fezziwig, which I do like. I like old Fezziwig I do enjoy old Fezziwig a lot. Yep. The problem is their main winter seasonal. The winter lager, it doesn't do anything for me. I think it's just basically kind of a dull. I mean, it's it's got a little bit of spice to it as a like a to give it like a wintry taste, but overall, it's kind of just like a boring lager to me. Yeah. It does nothing for me. And then after that, usually the Boston lager is still in there, so that's your third beer. And then your fourth one's uh every year they kind of mix up. Like it might be a White Christmas, it might be what have you, but yeah. So that's why I'm glad they're back to the six. Because now they got they brought back their chocolate bock, which yep, it's the first time I've had in years since that's in there. Yeah, it's very good. Um, they got the new one, which is what I'm drinking right now, is their sparkling ale, which is basically a blonde ale. Yep, and it's very good. A lot of hops in it. It's hoppy, but it's also dry, so you don't really get a lot of. Hop bitterness to it. Yeah, it's if you've ever tried a Guinness American Lager, it's basically that blonde lager style that Guinness tried and failed at, and this one succeeds. It's better. Um, and their holiday porter is also rather nice. It's uh, rather malty and got a little bit of spice to it, but it's not very heavy at all. It's actually very kind of sessionable. It's pretty yeah, pretty light for a porter. 
I had the sparkling ale, which I thought was pretty good. I think the name's kind of funny. It reminds me more of like New Year's champagne. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's what I'm getting from that. The, even the bottle itself looks like like New Year's. Yeah. Like it's like save these ones. You know, drink your old Fezziwigs and your winters uh, uh, during Christmas time, but save the sparkling ale. You're gonna want that for New Year's mm-hmm. Eve. Um, and then I I have also had right now I have a harpoon winter warmer, which you were talking about how Sam Adams the winter lager doesn't do much for you because it, it's not really wintry at all it's kind of just like a regular lager the, this harpoon winter warmer does have like a lot of that spice yeah it, i think it we, brought, a, we, yeah. We, have, we have reviewed it, i think before yeah, I show too. Here, and i and i said that i do prefer a lot more than yeah. sam's we're like yeah and which is a shame because i mean i think sam's overall does do a good job with their seasonals mm-hmm. and their, all their beers but like it's kind of like with the summer ale i do like the summer ale but would i go out of my way to ever buy it no yeah. it just doesn't do anything for me it's rather Bland, I guess I would. Yeah, I'll get it on tap if they have it, and like they don't really yeah. have anything else. But if they have something else better, then I'll I'll generally go with that. But yeah. same thing with like the the winter ale from uh, the winter lager from uh, Sam's. I, like I had it last night at Applebee's because that was really the only thing that they had that I was I was looking for. So, oh, you didn't want like a Labatt on tap? Oh no, no, I, I would rather not have a Labatt on tap. I've had that on tap several times, and it's never been good. Yeah, well, it's been so, it's been ruined for us. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, and we picked up some wine today, we looked at some whiskeys, so, uh, I think we're, we're, like, all set for, for, um, more for, podcasting. For a week. Yeah, we're all set, <laughs> yeah, for a week. So, um, but yeah, we're, today we're talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night, and, uh, I'm actually wearing the shirt right now. I think this one's from, like, Rotten Cotton or something, maybe? I don't even know, I can't remember where I got this from, but, so, like, Rotten Cotton or... Fright Rags, I'm not really sure. Uh, it's one of my treasured shirts. I like to pull it out every Christmas, wear it a few times every, each year. And I, I wear it all the time, actually. Yeah, it's not just for Christmas. but So I got that I got that going, and I said, you know what? We might as well watch it. You know, it's close to Christmas. We might as well. I have it on Blu-ray from Anchor Bay. Uh, they released the uncut Blu-ray edition, supposedly uh, compiling all of the scenes that have been missing from other Silent Night, Deadly Nights. Um, generally... The, the film is listed around an hour and 20 minutes, but this one adds about maybe a couple extra minutes of footage to it. And you can definitely tell when they're adding footage because it's Those qualities, really yeah. grainy, shitty quality uh, that's added to it. They didn't, they, either, either they didn't do anything to which, the footage which, itself. Which, which I, we, I don't want, we don't want to point fingers or anything. No. But, um, which we don't know if like, the film was kind of unsalvageable. Like, yeah, I mean, it probably was in a way. I mean, it, these are things that they cut from other, whatever they had available yeah. to cut to cut the other the other portions out. Um, so, and I've already reviewed that in the past because they released that last year um, on Blu-ray. Um, it's not the, it's probably not the best edition that you could have and I think a lot of people were looking for a little bit better of a, a definitive Blu-ray release for it, but it, it is what it is and, and uh, it certainly served its purpose for us today to watch the uh, the film and, and have Martin experience another Christmas classic. Um, so, why don't I actually let you take it away and you can start off with uh, from your thoughts and feelings on Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, I mean, can't really, I, I can't really in, uh, vocalize like how, like how I really feel about the film. I just like, I let after watching it, I just think it's very meh. 
Man. It's not like a terrible, terrible film, no. but, but there's nothing about it that would ever make me want to go back to it. Yeah, I mean, I told you in the beginning when we watched it that I, th- I thought you were going to think it was more funny than anything else. Um, oh, it did have its funny moments, but... Well, I mean, I mean, overall, like, even, like, those few, like, things that made me laugh really hard, it's just... It wouldn't be enough for me to go back and yeah. revisit it. Yeah. I mean... Let's start with this. It 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 received a, during its time. It received a lot of criticism from all kinds of different places. Parents really upset that this was coming out. That their kids saw like you know the trailers for this Silent Night Deadly Night. Maybe it accidentally screened in a, some places. Um, there was definitely some outrage as to how could you do this to Santa Claus? How could you tarnish the? the uh, good reputation of Santa Claus and turn it into something terrible for, for children that probably scared quite a bit of them, you know, if they were unlucky enough to catch the film. Um, so, I mean, there was definitely a lot of critical outrage, not only from, you know, parents, but from religious groups. Um, Which is weird, because I always remember, like, um, I can't say specifically for different cultures and whatnot, but I always remember my grandma, who was uh, born and raised in Germany, was always telling me how, as a kid, they were, she was always told there was, like, a bad, evil Santa. Krampus. Well, I don't remember the name. It was, yeah. I don't think it was Krampus. But there was a bad, evil Santa that would go around on Christmas Eve and shake chains by your door. And if you were bad, it would put you in a sack and threaten to throw you into the river. Well, was your grandmother German? Yeah. So, yeah, Krampus. I can't remember if that was yeah, the name I mean, or that's not, what but. she's talking about. I mean, that's that, that had to have been what she was talking about. Um, in some way, maybe she didn't mention the name of it, but well, I remember she did. She did. Yeah, like, she did. Because yeah. her and my great aunt Hannah, like mentioned, like they were telling us like before, like about it. And I can't remember the name, but I just remember like, oh yeah, there was an evil Santa, and if you were a little shit of a kid, it would come and he'd shake his chains around and he'd like threaten grab you at night and take you into a sack and threaten to throw you into the river. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Krampus. <laughs> That's Krampus, because um, that's basically the the idea behind Krampus. So, I mean, yeah, there's always been that kind of that uh, the yin and yang to the Santa Claus myth. Um, I, I just actually watched on the History Channel last night the History of Christmas um, that actually that talked about where our Santa Claus comes from, um, which is a really kind of a fascinating story that I wish they spent more time on in that episode. It was uh, more of an overview of like everything that came into the Christmas myth. Um, but Santa Claus in particular is a really interesting myth that, that, um, pulls from a variety of different sources, not just, um, from, you know, like Christianity, because it really has nothing to do with Christianity well, no, in particular. Well, there's a lot of, uh, Christ, uh, Christmas traditions that are based out of, mm. uh, Roman times, Norse and Norse, yeah, pa- uh, Northern pagan. European, yeah, pagans, pagan. um, yeah. um, and so like a lot of those come together into one person known as Santa Claus uh, written by a guy in New York City who created basically Twas the Night Before Christmas. Um, at that time, it was uh, about St. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. And um, even before that, where Krampus was concerned, is that St. Nicholas uh, had like this, this other side to him that he would bring around, which would be Krampus. And so St. Nicholas would be the one that would give out presents, and Krampus would be kind of the alternative to that. So if you've been a bad child, then you'd get the switch, which is what he had. Yeah. He had a switch that so he would... And, you know, there's all these this documentation of older um, pictures and images of, of Krampus being there and, you know, kind of on the back 
of uh, Santa Claus or Saint Nicholas when he was in, in that time period, um, bringing him around and just in case there's any bad children. So um, that's always been sort of a, a part of the Santa Claus myth, and then it kind of um, became Americanized for us as to uh, you know instead of bringing Krampus around, he just brings coal for the bad children. It kind of which today would be a great thing, and you know yeah, we'll fucking use some coal. I know very expensive. Daddy could use coal. <laughs> Very expensive fuel source. Yeah. Why? Why not? Sign me up. I gotta, gotta. You know, I want some meat to grill and whatnot. So I mean, <laughs> the the whole idea of you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night, really tarnishing Santa Santa's image is kind of ridiculous. I mean, there's always been that. Well, that and it's not like actually Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. It's as mm-hmm. people playing dressed as Santa Claus. So there's not tarnish. They're not tarnishing Santa's. Yeah. Myth and legacy. Yeah. It's just some crazy son of a bitch dressed as Santa going around doing what the killing and whatnot. Yeah. But, I mean, for kids it would be tarnishing Santa Claus. Well, they shouldn't be watching. They shouldn't, but what if they accidentally did? They accidentally caught it. Saw oh. it in theaters accidentally. Well, that's just... a sticky theater. <laughs> that's just <laughs> a sticky, seedy theater. Yeah. Well, that's just... That's bad parenting. Yeah, it is, I guess. But uh, who, who wants to blame the parents? So that was um, that's kind of like the context behind <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night. Is that you know it, it had definitely had a lot of people wanting it banned, wanting it banned from. Um, that's just fucking well, ridiculous. And I mean, for the most part, it is a um, a pretty violent film compared to some of the other slasher films of the time. Um, it doesn't. It's not like Friday the Thirteenth, where it kind of cuts away from the most gory carnage uh there's a lot of it on screen and and it doesn't really you know it doesn't shy away from that yeah but i mean most of it's kind of like i mean when they consider cartoony by today's standards no yeah but i but some some of it is pretty cartoony well yeah it's cartoony but like you like like oh he's got the strength to ram some chick like on some mounted deer antlers yeah but you're you're using your brains and most people don't do that when they're watching a movie they're just I know, but that's, that's the same thing. Like with like, oh, he like like literally cuts from a woman's belly button up to her like her abdomen with a box cutter. It's like, damn, that's the. I want to know what kind of knife he's got with that box. I mean, I know box cutters are sharp and all, but well, the movie that, did show us that he is pretty damn strong. Billy's pretty damn strong. Uh, that montage, uh, he's <laughs> doing the right things. Apparently, the boss is the boss is saying he was hitting the gym. He's doing it, but. Um, but yeah, so I mean, yeah, it is, so some of the things are, are kind of cartoony, but it is, I mean, it is pretty violent. It, it does, um, <coughs> it, it does have that sort of those qualities that make it pretty violent and that Santa Claus is doing that sort of killing in, in the dressed up sense is, is kind of, uh, disturbing. Um, but I will give you that, um, Silent Night, Deadly Night does have its fair share of really over the top outrageous moments. Um, it, like I said, it's a cult classic for a reason. Much like when we covered Troll 2. Most of it is camp. Yeah, it's yes. awesome. it's very campy. Um, for right from the beginning, I said you'd love the beginning. Um, there's the whole scene where they start out, they, they go to the mental hospital to visit uh, Billy's grandfather. The Utah Mental Hospital. The Utah Mental Hospital. The only, the only one in the state. The only one. And, um, you know, they, they're visiting the, the grandfather, and not only do they... Just come and, and grandfather is like unable to speak to them, so they've come all this way really on Christmas Eve for nothing because they can't they actually can't talk to him. They also leave Billy alone with them for in a in a mental hospital, alone. 
It's not a very good parenting situation, I would say. Well, it's the 70s. It was, it was a different time. That's true. It was a different time. A time when people murdered other people for $30. Yeah. But yeah, and he leaves. they leave the kid with him, and then the grandpa just turns and looks at Magic. him. Magic! Yeah. Tells him, you know, Christmas Eve is the worst time of all, and Santa finds the bad kids, and he punishes them! And that's where that punishing comes from that Billy latches onto and kind of continues throughout his his reign of terror. Which the, his by the way, the grandfather's acting was delightfully campy. Delightfully it, campy. It, it wasn't like bad. Like can't be the word. It makes you groan. It was delightfully campy. He, yeah, he was over the top to the point where you know it was hilarious. And I think kind of how he looked kind of add to it too because he had like the big bushy eyebrows. He was wearing like a. Nightgown and a robe like he's like uh, Hugh Hefner in the fifties for God's sake. Absolutely, it was delightfully campy. I enjoy. I actually enjoyed that, like him talking to the kid I know. and scaring the shit out of him because he was he was really campy about it. But other, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great scene. I think that it's been used quite a bit as sound clips and and other things. Um, but you know, and, and also to terrorize little kids. Mm. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a lot of that campiness to it. Um, I mean, they enlisted genre, um, you know, uh, superstar Linnea Quigley in there uh, for really quick, brief moments, only to really flash her tips throughout the movie. I mean, it just keeps recurring. There's there's flashbacks of Linnea Quigley, you know, not in her prime, not seeing her. You know, I, I'm remembering my mom when she was, you know, uh, nice and, and whole, but when she's getting murdered and, and almost raped by Santa Claus. Um they keep flashing back to that. So, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot well, that, of that, that whole, movie campiness. That, that whole scene, too, of where the Santa robs the, the, the liquor the, store or well, whatever the it store, is. The yeah. convenience store. The, the store. Well, and that's just totally ridiculous. Like, like be, even beyond the camp value, because the Santa shows up, he's talking to the cashier, he's like, oh, you know, I gotta deal with you, ha, ha, ha. And then he's like, <laughs> pulls a gun out and he's like, I'm gonna rob you. And the guy's got a gun underneath the counter, and he's like, oh, that sucks. And then he slowly <laughs> goes to draw the gun out, while the Santa's got the gun pointing right at him. It's yeah. like, are you a fucking idiot? Must be. Well, he ended up dead, so I guess yeah, so. Yeah, for $31, which is what the Santa gets away with, which is, you know, mind, mind-boggling. Because you think the guy running the cashier would know, he's like, oh, there's only $30 in there. <laughs> yeah, here, take it. And then call the, you know, call the cops, like, yeah, I've just been robbed. Yeah. Look, I mean, like, I like everyone likes to think they like to be the hero in that situation, but if you know it's like I've run a register before, you know how much money's in that register. Especially if you work retail, you like they tell you like this is when you do a cash drop. This, you know, yeah. when you hit this certain amount, you get that money out of there. So if you ever do get robbed, you're gonna have nothing in there basically, and they're gonna be like, oh, fine, fuck, you know. Yeah. And so that 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 to me is just like fucking idiocy and like. It, it, it is C serving the plot, which is a necessity in most horror films, is, well, this guy's got to be a dumbass to make the situation work. Well, I mean, it, and this isn't even really serving the plot. It's really not important. The robbery itself mm. was really not important. It could have just been Santa Claus broken down on the side of the road. It's, it's, it doesn't really matter. Well, but it does show that, like, okay, this Santa's an This guy's fucking crazy. Yeah, so, like, that, you give that slight motive, but even though when we talk about the... The next scene, it doesn't show that he's like a psychopath. It just shows he's a fucking, he's just 
I don't know what he is. Yeah, yeah he's not. Right. Yeah, he's not he like is. he doesn't seem like he would be like a, de- a deranged person or he'd no. be somebody with common sense. Yeah, at least. I mean, I, I think that we have you have to take like the whole operations of Silent Night, Deadly Night with a grain of salt because none of it real. I mean, once you start to really break down what's happening in the film, none of it really makes any sense. Um, why does Santa rip? Linnea Quigley's shirt off. He ends up killing her. I mean, well, maybe he was going to... for rape, but then... Well, maybe he was going to, but then when she hit him, he's like, oh, that's just a turn off. Oh, that's it. You that's know, it. I mean, my boat my is gone now. You know. Yeah. Um, why, um, why would someone not tell the bo- Billy's boss that his parents were murdered by... A, a, you know, were mur- at least murdered. Not even yeah. just by Santa Claus, but just murdered in general. So why doesn't that happen? Why doesn't Billy tell anybody that his parents were murdered by Santa? Why does what? Why does the Santa when he go when they stop to talk to him? Why does he decide to pull a gun out? Nobody knows he's the killer. All he could have done is like, oh, my car's broken down. What not? Just hitch a ride and been on his way. Scott free. Nobody would have known a damn thing. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I don't think there's very much but, logic. But, but no, he pulls a gun out instead, decides to shoot at them, and you yeah. know, then try to rape the wife, you know, the mother, and then try to kill the kid. I mean, I don't, I don't really think there's that much logic to Silent Night, Deadly Night at all. I, there's, you know, and really, there's no plot to it whatsoever. There's, um, it, it's about Billy getting a job. He's enlisted to become Santa Claus. He experiences another rape situation that reminds him of his mother. As Vietnam flashbacks. Vietnam flashbacks. Um, and then he goes on a murderous rampage uh, saying that everybody must be punished. Um, but other than that, there's no plot to it. So when you're going from um, you know, the first scene where, or the, I mean, sorry, the first murder that Billy commits when he's in his uh, Christmas party at his job, Iris Toys, um, you know, that makes sense because that's kind of where we've been led up to from there. Well, no, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I, no, I'm just, I, I yeah, think, I'm know, piecing it out yeah. for the podcast. I'm giving yeah. some, some context here. But once we, once we jump from the, uh, from Iris Toys to the next part of the film. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. There's no real, like, train of thought that goes into this. It's just uh, Billy going on a murderous rampage wherever the fuck the, the film wants him to go. Yeah, he's just lucid. He's, yeah. So which, he's, which, this also adds to the camp value, which I find funny, but at the same time, it's annoying. He's just like, naughty! Then, like, swings an act and kills somebody. He's like, naughty! You know? Yeah. Naughty! So, I mean... It's it's funny, but at the same time, it's like, that, that it makes, you know... Yeah. There's no there's no real rhyme or reason to anything that happens in Silent Night, Deadly Night, after Billy goes on his rampage. And, um, there's that, you know, there's the whole bit where he, he makes his way to somebody's house, some... Yeah, and I asked, and I asked because yeah. he does have a little brother when, uh, the murder of his parents take place, he is a newborn brother, and they're both at the orphanage together. And I thought it might have been his newborn brother that was... Because earlier in the film, he sees two people in the orphanage having sex, and the, one of the nuns, Mother Superior, getting very pissed off, and, oh, she ain't having none of that shit. And she broke right in there and took that kid's belt and beat the hell out of both of them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mid-coitus, you know? Uh, mid-thrust, you know? <laughs> yeah, she was thrusting away, but in a different way. Yeah, but, but yeah, and she, he saw that going on, and she tells him how, like, 
did you know what they're doing? And he's like, I don't know what they're doing. And he's like, you saw what they were doing? He's like, no. And he's like, good, what they were doing is naughty. And it's very bad, very, you know, punishable. So it's hinting, you know, that sex is supposed to be bad, and he's supposed to view sex as bad. Yeah. But at the same time, the film doesn't, like, it doesn't divulge into why or really anything. It basically shows up in the rape scene, which isn't, it's not like, oh, because sex is bad. It's, she's getting raped. Yeah. That's why you want to do something. Yeah. It's not, and he, the, the guy's got to be punished. He's got to be punished because he's raping somebody, not, well, you know, it's just sex. Yeah. And then the other time is when, the, the, when there's another sex scene going on, it's, um, how, like, how did he, like, I asked you, how did he stumble across this happening? Because right. it's happening in somebody else's how, home. Yeah, like, how yeah. is he, how is he in the middle of nowhere and, like, finding these people having it, was sex? He, was he sniffing the air? Like, smells like sex. Smells like cunnilingus. Someone else. Was he Marcy Playground or something? <laughs> sex I smell sex. But, uh, yeah, so that was the question that you had, and it's a legitimate one. I agree. I mean, I, I it seems like Charles Sellier, um, who was the director on this film, was really, really, really interested in creating a Christmas movie that was also a slasher, much like what we've had previously within the slasher genre. I mean, everybody was picking a, a time of year and then running with it. Well, yeah, my buddy Valentine. Yeah. Say, well, after yeah. Halloween, you might as well take, after Halloween, it's take, like, take any yeah. holiday. And, yeah, basically, I mean, if you, you can think of one, there's almost every holiday is taken in some way. And so that was like a big thing at this time period. And it was an easy way to sell a movie. So, you know, you have a, a Christmas... Easy, easy release date, easy, yeah. you know, easy theme. And... Yeah. So, I mean, you, you can just see how that kind of would have come about. Um, at the same time... Silent Night, Deadly Night uses all of those tropes from the slasher genre. You have sex that is pretty much the reason why the killer is targeting his his victims. In other films, it's really left unstated. It's kind of like an idea that comes across, but it's not really... It's it's implied. But in in Silent Night, Deadly Night, it's pretty literal. I mean, it's like, it's thrown in your face. You know why he's targeting these people. Um, So he's taking that. He's taking things like, um, you know, like Friday the Thirteenth with the uh, massive amount of victims, and he's and he's he's putting them into any way that he can. So he's he's bringing Billy to places where obviously there's going to be more victims. Whether it makes sense or not doesn't really matter. Um, you know, it's just he's using all of those ideas and putting them into one film cheaply. Uh, it, 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 I guess, is the main point that it's, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't, you know, it's not just Silent Night, Deadly Night. There, there's a lot of films that came out in that time period that are considered sort of cult classics that do the same thing. I mean, really reusing all of those tropes to their advantage. Um, and I, I mean, I think that most people that watch Silent Night, Deadly Night, they're not, you know, they're not concerned with how good it is. It's not a like I said before in the in the previous podcast when we were talking about whether we would cover this or not. It's not a good movie. It's really not. It's not even. I wouldn't even say that it's a bad movie. It's a mediocre movie, and that kind of puts it in that sort of. It leaves it. Of, it leaves it in limbo. Yeah, it's, it's like how do you, how do you enjoy something that's really really just mediocre? Well, you don't. 
Well, in your case, you don't. In my case, I do. I think that part of the well, appeal, I, don't think, I don't think you'd find it. Me- I think even though you say it's mediocre, well, I don't think you would because I, to me, if something is just average or mediocre, it has nothing to offer that would make you want to go visit it again. If it's bad enough to a point where like it's so bad you can enjoy it at some like sadistic level of en- like of watching it, that like explains that. And the same thing with good. It's good. It's a good film, so it hits all the things that you want in a film. This, to me, is, like I said, it's not a terrible film. I wouldn't say this film's god-awful at all, because it's not. It's not even close to being a good film. It definitely falls in into the category of being mediocre, and that, to me, is like... It's kind of like a death symbol. It's, it's You're in limbo. You may watch it again... But like you're, you'll never go back like like oh I gotta watch that again right There's nothing ever that's gonna call to you to watch that again unless maybe it's years down the road and you're like I haven't seen that movie in fifteen years Yeah I mean I would agree um, I also but I I think that part of the appeal is that it is set during Christmas time and that's like I wouldn't go out of my way to watch this any other time of the year I would not you know There's no way that I'd watch this. You know, in the spring or anything like that. You couldn't just watch Black Christmas and say, I've had my fill of Christmas horror films for the... No. For the season. No. <laughs> no. You'd have, to, you'd have to go, all right, what other shitty films, you know? No, as a horror lover, I really can't. I, I mean, I, I like to, um, you know, combine the, the two things. I love Christmas, but I also love horror movies. And so when they combine together, it's really, you know, it's, it's something that I love. And so I... I I can't just watch Black Christmas and be fulfilled by that. I have to watch as many of the Christmas horror movies as I can. Uh, you know, all of the rest of them, really, besides Black Christmas, are not that good. You have Don't Open Till Christmas. You have Christmas Evil. You know, you have, um, you know, Silent Night, Bloody Night. No, they're not really that good. But you still watch them anyway because it's Christmas time. And it's, yeah. you know, it's like it's like someone who would say, you know, I, I, I watch... Um, I don't know. What's a? Well, I watch the Hallmark Christmas movies every year. <laughs> it's like someone who says that. It's like obviously they know that those fucking movies are not good. They're not good. They're the same things over and over again. Oh, that guy looks like a douchebag. I'm dating him, but this guy looks really nice. But I'm not sure if I. I'm not sure if we're gonna get together or not. They're gonna get together. Just you know the ending. Yeah, but that's every like romantic movie. It's like, yeah, like the person's like. Well, I'm in love with the douchebag, but, like, I met the nice new guy, and he seems nice, but it just can't work. Yeah, but you know the way that they're going to end, and you watch him anyway, just because you you like that. You like that time of the year, and you like the, the well, feelings okay. that they give Okay, off. fine. If the film is mediocre, and it hits somewhere in, like, your sweet spot, like like this does, like, for the time period, then I can say, okay, you'd watch it again. But mm-hmm. if, if this had nothing to do with Christmas... You then, would have no, no reason. Re- yeah. to, you would have no reason to ever watch of this film. No, to ever think about it again. And you'd, if somebody briefly mentioned it to you, you'd probably have to sit there and go, "Oh yeah, I did see that. Didn't think much of it." Well, I, I agree for the most part, but I think you're going to remember the montage. Well, that that's hilarious. That's you're going to remember the montage. It's one of my favorite. That's scenes. the best part in the film. That is the best part in the film. It's one of my favorite scenes in here. 
And um, you're going to remember that. But you're right. I, you know, if it was not set during Christmas time, it wouldn't be memorable. It would sit in the same sort of category that I find for a lot of the other slashers that I've seen over the years that are, are around this time period, 1984, around there, that just are not very memorable. You've seen them once. You say, okay, I saw it. You move on. There's a lot of those like that. And you're right. I think, you know, if Silent Night, Deadly Night did not have that Christmas aspect to it, I would move on from it. But... I do watch it every year just because Christmas time and, you know, you got to get that in there. Which, let's talk about that montage. The montage, sure. Let's talk about it. Um, I love a good, ridiculous montage. Everybody does, I think. It's like the standard of the 80s. Standard of the 80s. Um, You know, this montage in particular has a really, really cheesy 80s song to it. It's the, uh, the, the... An early 80s song. But yeah. 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 And so, you know, that particular song makes this montage because it's set to just this perfect song that just really epitomizes the 80s at that time. And not only that, it has every classic montage moment that you can think of. People sharing glances, <laughs> shaking their heads yes. Yeah, like in an approving, in like, approving manner. Um, people doing mundane tasks, like putting things on shelves. It has all of that. And <laughs> which is the best part of the montage, when he punches that, Billy punches out, and then he sees, like, oh, this book on the stand's a little crooked. And he fixes it, and his boss is standing behind him, he's, like, nodding his head, like, approvingly, like, yes. It's great. It's yes. I wish, I wish someone would make a montage of my life when I go to work like that. Because that's what mine would look like, too, I, I imagine. <laughs> Me doing things that, uh, doing monotonous things at work, like typing on a keyboard, and my boss saying, yep, he's doing the job. He's doing it. He's doing it. Could type a little faster, but he's he's, he's, he's got that, he's, you know, putting that effort in. He's doing it. He so. woke up today. That's the hardest that's right. part of it. That's the hardest part of going to work, is just getting up. If you can do that, then you can make it to work. I think also one of the, the great things about um, Sunday Night, Deadly Night, that is sort of memorable, is um, Mother Superior, who is also really hamming it up. But um, she is not hamming it yeah, up. She, she's I don't. Here, I didn't think she was hamming it up in a she, good way. I mean, I think she's like she's because it's so stereotypical like nun, evil like, nun. Yeah, like evil being a bitchy nun, like the kind of nuns I'd hear my grandma talking about when I was a kid that would beat her with a ruler in school. That kind of bitchy nun. So I mean, it's yeah, it's campy, but did I find it delightful anyway? No, because it just. It's so just stereotypical, so just being a bitch. And it's not like oh, I can like you know enjoy it. It's like you're. It's like oh, you're just a bitch. You have no, you have no emotion. You haven't been pounded in ages, so you have you know you. Which sorry for being politically incorrect there, but it's you know that's why you're so frigid. You're missing something in your life. Maybe that's why she always goes to the whip. Maybe she's a really a dominatrix at heart. Well, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, she just—I didn't find her. I didn't find her performance, you know, to be anything noteworthy. I thought it's yeah. Well, how about um, how about uh, Billy's asshole coworker, <laughs> Tony Nero? No, actually, that's not Tony oh. Nero. Tony Nero is Pam, Pamela. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so we were wrong about that. Oh, wow. I, I didn't really know the name, so 
kind of speculated. I mean, Tony Nero is pretty pretty Italian name, but uh, the, you you actually called this guy, which I think his name was Tommy, right? Is that was that his name? Oh, I didn't even say his. I never heard him I say his I name. I think it was Tommy. I, I feel like it was Tommy. Um, Leo Geeter. Um, if that's if we're right, I'm I'm pretty sure it was Tommy. I'm pretty sure, but uh, you know. You called him the uh, the poor man's uh, um, Joe, Pesci. Joe Pesci because that's what he looked like. He, does. he, he looks he like, like you a, know, young, when Joe Pesci was young. Yeah, young buff Joe Pesci. Joe, Joe Pesci, and you know he's got that kind of asshole Italian. Uh, that stereotypical, stereotypical, yeah, stereotypical asshole. Yeah, perfectly said. Stereotypical asshole Italian. Like, oh, he can't just be like a nice. He's like, yo, I'm doing you a favor here, Billy. I could go to your boss and tell you how much of an asshole you're not doing your work, but I'm doing you a favor. Yep. It's like, did you did you miss the tryouts for The Godfather Part Two? Were you trying? <laughs> were you? Try- yeah, I know. It would have been perfect in like The Sopranos or something. I know. But uh, um, so yeah, is it, I mean, I, I love that too. He's like, he's like being Billy Bats from The Good- Goodfellas before <laughs> Billy Bats was around. Like, yeah. oh, well, get your fucking shine box, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> but. I think our favorite part of Silent Night, Deadly Night, besides the montage, is the uh, synth stings. Oh, those are all are those all are... throughout the film. And we talked about Black Christmas and how like it set the. There's a uh, no yeah no, no real. It's uh, very music. yeah. It re- uh, relies very much on its ambiance and just you know the quietness and the wind, and the film does not rely on that at all. But it doesn't use a score to its advantage. It uses it greatly to its disadvantage by adding just, you know, music stinks everywhere throughout. It's like, hey, there's going to be a jump scare here. Well, it doesn't, yeah, it gets a sting even before there's a scare. Yeah. Um, like, there are some, some moments where, like, Billy is looking scared as a kid and it's already stinging. It's already. So, you know, something's coming. Something is. Something's going to happen here. And, you know, I think anonymous internet commenter said it best when he said it sounded like somebody was just, like, laying on an electric piano. It's, yeah, that's what it sounds like. And it, it sounds like somebody is just really hammering on it. That or somebody left their cat. Like, like oh, they, <laughs> they went to go, like, compose a score. Like, oh, I'll be right back. Here, mittens. And they left the cat on the keyboard and walked away. The cat's just walking around, not like, bing, 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 bing. and they had it recording, like, Hey, that that might work. Yes. Speaking of the sting, there it is, right there. <laughs> but do you remember in like the late part of the film when the cop is kind of like searching around the building yeah. for Billy? It was stinging this, every. Well, yeah, there's that, but then there's also that falling piano chord moment where it's like. Dun, 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 dun. I'm pretty sure that that is used in some way in Goosebumps. In the Goosebumps, because Goosebumps has that same piano sort of falling, tinkling sound. Yeah. I would be interested in, like, comparing those two. The Goosebumps one, and then Silent Night, Deadly Night, because I feel like they're very, very similar. I doubt they took, I doubt someone was going to Silent Night, Deadly Night from Goosebumps, like <laughs> the music director of, of, of Goosebumps, and they're like, what do I want Goosebumps soundtrack to sound like? And they're like... You know, Silent Night, Deadly Night has a really good synth score. <laughs> I'm going to go to that one, and we're, we're going to use that as a... But, you know, it does sound really similar, so... That's it, right there! Yeah. That sounds like Goosebumps. It really does to me. Like, it sounds like there's, like, a moment in Goosebumps um, where that occurs, but... 
So, um, yeah, but we were just talking about how Death Waltz had released uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night on vinyl. The soundtrack to it, the OST. Martin really wants a copy, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Well, who I really would like a copy. You, I'm you not going to lie. You would, but I, was, I sat there and said, like, well, who's at the, like, the Christmas party? Like, hey, guys, I got some lovely Christmas music to play. <laughs> Get some sound. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I would like a copy of it, but, you know, I, I, I can see how you wouldn't like it. I'm a huge noise fan, so... The synth stings, like, call to me in a way that they don't to you, but, but, I don't know. <laughs> I would, I would like a copy of it. Uh, yeah, no thing. Any enterprising person listening would like to send me one. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, With how much vinyl costs these days, are you kidding me? Yeah, just an FYE, fucking $40 of vinyl in there. Crazy. Um, so... It's interesting to note that in this film, there's so many flashbacks to that initial scene where Billy's parents are murdered. And, like, it's kind of almost like an anime in a way of, like, flashing back to, like, the scenes that literally just happened, like, hey, 20 see- minutes ago. Hey, remember seeing this? Just happened? It just happened. Flashback. We're going to show you it again. Um, there's a ton of flashbacks in Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2, where... You know, most of Silent Night, Deadly Night is reused in that film. And it just follows uh, Billy's brother uh, at that time. Um, And so, I think that it kind of shows that it can be worse than Silent Night, Deadly Night. How would you like to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 right now? I would have no interest in it. In seeing... The same scenes you just saw. I have no no interest in it. I told you at the end, I'm like, wow. I'm like, well, let me guess. At the end, like, the... The brother's gonna become like the murderer. And like, you guessed it. It's like yep. you got it. It's like you saw it come from my way. You did. Now, one of the funny things I thought in the film was every time Billy was tracking down somebody and would go to attack them, he's like naughty, just like ro- very robotically, just like naughty, naughty. Yeah, naughty. Well, I think yeah. I mean, uh, I, Robert Brian Wilson is not a good actor. <laughs> Well, he's got three first names. Yeah, he, he can't be. <laughs> Wilson's a stretch for a first. I mean, it is a first name, but that's also a common last name, so I can't hold that against him. I will because there's no reason for you to add your middle. Why not be billed as Robert Wilson? Because that's pretty generic. That's like that's oh, but some... Robert Brian Wilson. Yeah, just... now you know who you're talking about. <laughs> okay, the guy, the uh, the two first names there, because <laughs> you can't use Brian Wilson. Well, obviously. Yeah. So he's got to go with Robert Brian Wilson. Well, what's wrong with just Robert Wilson? I don't know. It Bob seems, Wilson! It just seems too generic Bob, for me. Bobby Wilson. I, I get why he did it. I get well, it. Well, that's his own damn fault for having the name like Robert. I get it. Not everyone can have a special name like you, Brian. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I guess we have to we have to kind of figure out where you stand on, on uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. So... On a score of um, one to ten, bloody dripping uh, box cutters. What would you What would you give Silent Night Deadly Night? Five out of ten. A five out of ten. I again, I thought he was going to go lower than that. Yeah, it's I like, thought it would be like a four. No, because it's not like bad enough to where I'd say it's yeah. Below you're, five. you're right. You're saying like it was like mediocre, and mediocre for you is like six, yeah. right? But then so it's like below that a little bit. Yeah. Gotcha. Um,
All right, so we'll wrap it up here now. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Martin's not not really a fan of that, but uh, like at least... Like, like I said, didn't hate it. Don't, yeah. don't but like I said, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I mean, at least uh, at least you got to check it out. So maybe next year we'll cover, cover Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 when you've had some time to digest and you don't have to... Now, then you'll see all the flashbacks and you'll you'll love that. Oh, so. okay. I'll be like, what, did I watch? Oh, I did watch this. It's this garbage is- day! That comes from that, so... Oh, is that what that's from? That's from, yeah. Wow, I did not know that. I knew, I knew that scene of yeah. garbage day! Yep, yep. So, <laughs> I you know. But, um, yeah, so uh, thanks for listening. Um, I don't know if we'll be back or not for Christmas vacation. Probably after Christmas. <laughs> Maybe after Christmas, because I, I don't know if we'll have time within the next couple days, but... Um, thanks for listening to our Silent Night, Deadly Night podcast, and uh, if you haven't checked it out yet... Check out our last episode, which was Black Christmas. Um, if you listen to them back to back, you're going to get like two hours of, of Christmas uh, quality, quality Christmas time with uh, Blood and Black Rum podcast. So um, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum podcast. Um, you can catch us on SoundCloud. And um, we're also on uh, Stitcher. Um, we're also on iTunes. Uh, just search for us for Blood and Black Rum podcast and subscribe. Uh, and you'll get all the latest updates, so you won't have to go looking for them. Um, and as always, you can email us any observations, any uh, you know, picks for movies that you have. Uh, let us know at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. We're always interested in hearing your opinions and what you like and what you don't like. So thanks for listening. If we're not back um, before Christmas, have a very Merry Christmas.